Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. So hello, everybody. This is Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and uh, me, Drew Stennett. Today, we're going to be talking about diversity in the universe. And I know a lot of people are probably like, I thought this was a technology podcast. What does that have to do with this? And uh, if you're thinking that, I hope that you will be surprised because I think it uh, diversity in technology and the universe sort of go hand in hand, like, uh, like, like everything else with technology because it's imminent it's always coming at you it's always going to be it's always going to be real um so Rochelle when you brought this topic up what what did you have in mind for uh when you think about how the universe rewards diversity what uh what what do you mean by that so let's take um a flying creature like a fly a bumblebee a hornet a wasp and all the other you know grasshoppers, all the other ones. Why do you think the universe needs all those different types of creatures to exist? Why, why is it that you, you can't just have a housefly or a horsefly or whatever, whatever the thing is? Why do we need all these diverse types of flying creatures and, yeah. birds and, 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 and eagles and, and crows? And, and, you know, why do we need that? So what I always think about when I think of that is sort of the, the, it's the word symbiotic symbiotic nature between things like uh there's that old uh i don't know if it's a parable or a fairy uh, not a fairy tale but the the thing about the uh the bird cleaning the crocodile's teeth like uh the crocodile needs clean teeth and the bird needs food and it would be very easy for that crocodile to eat the bird and then we would have no more birds then we would have no more crocodiles then we would have no more you know whatever whatever else is in that chain like everything sort of needs to work together to uh to thrive yeah i i think the universe is always harmonious you know i i think i may have told you this so when my son was little you know my son's extremely brilliant way smarter than his mother um and um he used to watch uh PBS all the time and they mm -hmm. had a animal show called Zaboomafu on that show and I think it's still out there in, in the nether of the internet of the internet but um you know he would watch these shows and every once in a while I'd watch them with him and one day my husband and I were sitting at the table with him he might have been five or six years old mm -hmm. and he's mom do you know why capybaras are bigger than mice now, first of all, what the hell is a capybara? I didn't know what a capybara was until like a year ago. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting there thinking about this. Okay, Ken, let you know I don't know that. So I got to think of something. Well, maybe the mouse, the capybara eats more than the mouse. You know, that's the best I could come up with, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, what I learned from this little boy, so he was a huge dinosaur fan, as, as many children are. You know, T-Rex was his ultimate hero. You know, he liked the carnivores. And so we would have these conversations about these animals. And as I listened to my son talk to me about these things, now remember he's young. He's, he's not like a teenager or, or, you know, in puberty or any of that stuff. He's, he's a young mm -hmm. fellow. And he's having these conversations with his mother. And my mind is being blown every single <laughs> like, You know, like, what in the world? You know? And so he said to me one day, he said, the universe lives in harmony. Everything has to eat, but it does not eat more than it needs. And he was telling yeah. about lion prides and so how they hunt in packs. Okay, again, little boy, my mind just, I mean, you know, like, I didn't even know, maybe, my, maybe that's why I'm so forgetful because my brain just exploded. <laughs> so he would tell me these things and like everything lives in harmony and everything must eat. 
Yeah. Now, when you think about the universe and what we were talking about earlier about these different types of things, right? So why do we need a bald eagle, a golden eagle? I think there's one more. I can't remember what this is. Why do we need three eagles? You know, so, I mean, you know, like your symbiotic place is really, really good. But why do we need three kind of eagles? And I'm sure there are more than just that, but those are the yeah. three that come to mind. And it's because in my mind, the universe says that we don't want sameness. And my favorite is the trees, right? So um, I live in a kind of rural neighborhood and I swear we must have 50 different kind of tree species in our yard, right? We got the pine tree, the magnolia, the crepe myrtle, we got the oak, we got the, uh, 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 anyway, lots of trees. And so the same thing applies. Why do we need all these different things? And it is because mother nature says for us more than anyone else, the universe, you know, that it is necessary for everything to exist and exist in perfect harmony for the balance of the planet. Yeah. So I think I might've mentioned this to you. There's a TV show called One Strange Rock. It was done by, um, it's either Smithsonian or National Geographic, I can't remember right now, but it's mm -hmm. a beautiful story. It's, it's narrated by Will Smith and, it's, and it talks to people who have gone to the moon or gone in space, uh, you know, so and they tell what they see and then they tell some story. And so like how human beings came to be, and this yeah. is not flying in the face of anything religious or anything, but like it tells a story of how oxygen occurred very early on in, in the formation of the planet. Mm -hmm. And these little creatures that are living in the sea is the reason why we have oxygen. Yeah. Now, that, that's pretty profound, right? Yeah. So it has no power. You know, it can be eaten in a second because it's tiny, you know? And so what? Yeah. <laughs> this is how, the you know? And so I think the universe is the perfect example of diversity because it doesn't make... So in California, they have those great big trees that grow bigger than any other tree uh is skipping my brain right now, but it, it, they're these huge trees, right? And they so they're probably the yeah. tall. Are those trees. redwoods? Is that what Red they're? Yeah. Right. Yeah. These trees are reaching for the sky, and they're really, really tall, as all trees are. And I'll go back to the story. I think I told you the last time we talked about the grasshopper, right? Or you know, so as a thirty feet leap, mm -hmm. and then you put him in a cap, and he can't leap that much. He learns to stop. Yep. So in reality, what we look at in in the universe is the diversity of everything. So not just like grass, how many types of grass seeds are there? You know, you've got so much diversity yeah. and there's no logical, at least to my mind, reason why all these things exist. But someone knows why. Someone knows why there's a reason for this. And so yep. we, as receiving the rewards of this universe, we can breathe, you know, we can, we can, we get air, you know, we, we, we can live in this universe in some sort of symmetry with each other. Yeah. Yeah. But then we turn to our race, our gender, our sexual orientation, our religion. And there is nothing about the universe that says that. Now, what I have been told by people is like, like monkeys only be, like, you don't ever see a, 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 a a silverback and a, 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 a lemur in the mm -hmm. same colony, but they exist in spaces. Like, so, you know, some of them are in Madagascar, wherever they are, but they live. So yeah. someone has used that to fight my argument about the universe being diversity because like, you know, these things don't integrate with each other. They don't do that. 
But that doesn't necessarily mean that I am wrong about diversity in the universe because it's not that, you know, I have to come live with you. I, can yeah. I come over your house? Can I move in with you, Drew? You know, can, can I come bring all my stuff and move in with you? That is, that's, that's illogical. But yeah. it does not mean that I can't coexist with you. It doesn't yeah. mean that you can be on this side of the street and I can be on that side of the street. So you are a, a really brilliant Linux guy. You know a lot about all the, you know, containers and all that stuff in IT. That's not my where I am. I mean, you know, I, I don't dive that deep down. I know superficially what all these things mean. I know how they work together. But mm-hmm. you know all the bits and pieces. So we can coexist together yeah. with different ideas and different skills and different tools because I need you and you need me. So if I am going to be putting up, standing up a, a, a GitLab environment or I have a Linux uh, server that I'm working with and I don't know all the pieces, I have to come yeah. to you. Yeah. So the universe does the exact same thing, right? So with the trees and the some of the creatures that crawl around, you know, I guess they live together in your symbiotic world. But there are other things that are really far apart, right? So you know, hy- hyenas and lions and all them things they eat the, uh, uh, you know, vegetarian, uh, uh, you know, herbivores will eat mm-hmm. them, right? But it doesn't eat ten of them. It eats what it needs for that very moment, you know. Yeah. So you know what it needs in order to survive. So in order for us specifically in IT, to understand why it's so necessary to have diversity. Because if it were not for that lion or whatever the animal is that is a carnivore, to thin out the herbivore populations, we'd be overrun by creatures, right? So in the world of IT, what we have is we have the experts, Drew Stennett and, 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 and the like, and we have the people who kind of shepherd along the juice dentist, right? So oh, yeah. kind of come to the table and say, hey, we need this. But if everybody in the world was a Linux expert, everybody knew Kubernetes and GitLab and every other one of those things that you know, you know, what would be the value of that? Because you're all alike. You all have the same knowledge. You all have the same experiences. So why would it not be necessary to have that person who is completely on the other side of that fence? Yeah, it would, it would also be insufferable <laughs> to like have that. Like uh, the world does not does not need like uh, people that are only experts to that degree and only those uh, experts. Like that'd be absurd. Like we don't we don't need that. Um, uh, a couple of things I wanted to respond to the uh, uh, talking about astronauts and like seeing the earth. One thing that I've always uh, read about when astronauts do see the earth from like so far away, it's very uh, profound for people because they see how like small and put together the earth is like suddenly it's no longer this, uh, you know, collection of states and countries and, you know, continents is just like, everybody on this tiny marble floating around in space. And it's very, uh, I think that would be a nice thing to see <laughs> or for more people to see anyway. Uh, and also thinking about uh, how sort of everything came from the sea. I read recently about how sharks have been around for long, so long that like they predate trees. Absolutely. And like, I can't even imagine anything predating <laughs> a tree, right? Like trees are everywhere. Like how can something predate a tree? But things do, you know, and without oxygen from those fish, the trees, I guess, never would have existed. I'm definitely no like geologist or anything, but it seems it seems so crazy. <laughs> um, another thing that I think is very interesting when uh, uh, when you said the idea about uh, diversity in the universe, uh, specifically in regards to technology, uh, 
the stuff that you just threw out, I had not been thinking about at all. <laughs> that uh, I was sort of going in a different direction, thinking about diversity, where um, in a lot of our, a lot of the tools we use as technologists, we get sort of, uh, people get like very personal about them, right? Like, I only use Linux. I only use the CentOS version of Linux. I only use the Ubuntu version or the Red Hat version of the CentOS version of Linux. And it's, and I was the same way. Like I, I won't say that I was any different. And uh, when you tie yourself to a technology like so deeply, when that technology either goes away or becomes irrelevant, uh, it makes it really hard on you. Cause you're like, oh, this thing that I spent my life doing, like now it no longer exists. When in fact, like, you know, there's CentOS, there's Ubuntu, there's Debian, and there's Windows. And like, they're all 99.9% .9 the same, right? Like they're all Linux, they're all an operating system. Uh, even thinking about Linux versus Windows, I've always been a, a Linux person, but and I don't even wanna say like a Linux person because I don't know what that means. But uh, Linux smart. and Windows- be smart. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> but Linux and Windows are pretty much the same if you strip all of the names away. Like it's just a, an operating system. It runs services. It opens up ports. It has, you know, a firewall. Things listen to it. You know, they're all the same. Like we shouldn't be making these uh, sort of judgment calls and tying our personalities and our, our whole like, you know, work livelihoods to a specific technology. And uh, if you don't marry yourself to one of those specific technologies, I think it puts you on a better spot in the future as well, because when CentOS goes away, no big deal. I've already been using Ubuntu. When Ubuntu goes away, no big deal. Uh, I also know Windows. When Windows goes away, no big deal. I've also been using you know this other thing. And just sort of having that level of diversity and technology tools is, uh, it's hard because like we always say, like we get in our lanes, we find something we like and we just sort of stick with it. But uh, I think making a, making a concerted effort to get out of your lane every once in a while, you're gonna find that it's not gonna be that hard because every, almost everything is the same. Like uh, you're a black woman, I'm a white man. We're both people like, I don't know what the percentage of our DNA similarity is, but it is, it is very high. We are more alike than uh, are not absolutely <laughs> yes yes my husband got his uh his dna ancestry dna results and he is something like 23 24 percent white but not in the in the sense ireland um um oh my god i forgot um what's that country over there that um where they had the ethnic cleaning cleansing all of these things Ooh. showed up in his, in his dna and I'm sitting here saying, you know, what, you know, so like, you know, from Russia, I mean, all of these things were in his DNA panels. And I was sitting here thinking, good Lord, but there were a whole bunch of other ethnic things of like Mali, you know, Senegal, um, yeah. uh, Pakistan, all of this. What the hell? You know? it's, it's sort of amazing. Like, <laughs> right. How, how do you get to be all these things? But, you know, in the, in the issue of race, it, it's not really fair because I think, you know, there's been this long held belief. If you have one drop of black in you, you're black, no matter whatever else is there, you know? Yeah. So I, I think one of the interesting things when we think about the universe specifically in lining it with technology, right? So if you think about this, so the argument that someone had made for me about these separate silos in, 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 in the universe. So, you know, like there are some places, like for example, you use your redwoods. There are just all redwoods right there. Mm -hmm. Or if you take a neighborhood 
you know, where they grow Christmas trees, they, don't, they only grow these kinds of trees. So you have these silo kind of uh, 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 communities. Yeah. But we do the same thing in IT. We do the same thing in technology, right? So you got someone that's a web person and they only want to do web work. Oh, yeah. that's, person, that's an audiovisual person. They only want to do that. You know, you got people that have various things and they silo themselves separately, but it's absolutely necessary for them to come together because the web developer, developer can't stand up a, a new website without something to put it on, right? He needs an yeah. OS. He needs a server. He needs all the So yes, you can isolate and silo and become this thing, but you never live in that vacuum alone. You oh, are yeah. never there, no matter what part of IT you pick. So like we pick cybersecurity, right? So, you know, why, why do we need cybersecurity? Because we have email, we have web browsers, we have all these tools that are susceptible to whatever kind of malfeasance people want to do, but you have all these tools. Well, it's important that the security guy have a good relationship with the guy <laughs> who's doing the design of the operating system, who's doing the design of you know data analytics, as opposed to just saying, well, I'm a cybersecurity expert and this is what I do. If you believe mm -hmm. that your silo does not need to cross over or integrate with other silos, you're missing the point greatly. And if you go with emerging technologies, it's even more so, right? So you take such a, so I had a talk with a fellow that is a, a data analytics guru the other day. It was absolutely a phenomenal talk because I learned so much listening to him talk about that. But what was really mm -hmm. interesting is like we as a society, unless you work in a technology field, you have no idea how big your data footprint is. You have sure. no idea. Right. So you've got your phone, you've got your computer, you've got your your home secure, whatever it is, your data footprint. You know, the, and I can't remember what this is. So I don't want to speak it. But somebody said, like, the average person's data footprint is over a million bytes, you know, a day. Mm -hmm. Right. Because of all this stuff that you're you're you're, you're generating. And then do we know where our data goes? Do we <laughs> own our data? And someone was talking. Um, um, there's a, tele, um, a show on HBO called, called Between the World and Me by uh, Tanisi. Coates, I, I never can pronounce his name correctly, mm -hmm. but, and it's in that he makes the point that Black people do not own their bodies, that we don't own our bodies because we are subject to whatever the universe is, or we can be pulled over and shot and killed. You know, there was a Tuskegee experiment. You've got all these things where we have been people's experiments, and so oh, yeah. now we have no, you know, no home country. You know, we could say we go back to Africa, Africa where, you know, we have no sense of what it means to be accepted simply because of our brilliance and what we bring to the table, but we are stereotyped and whatever. And so the same thing is true within IT. Like we, the, the idea of segregating the cyber expert from the web designer, from the operating system designer to all, it's ludicrous. Yeah. Yes, they exist in silos, absolutely. So the web designer, designer he knows C++, he knows 85 other languages, you know, he do Drupal, he can do all these things over here, right? Great, 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 great. <laughs> But when he stands up that uh, website, the cybersecurity team is going to show up and wrap all kinds of things. So we got capture, you know, we got all these ways to capture to protect the site, right? To keep yeah. you from hacking on it, right? We got two-factor authentication. All of these things are there. So it's terribly important that we, if we must define ourselves as silos, that we design our, define ourselves as silos with other groups and understanding the need to integrate with those groups in order to create a productive and and, and a relevant product you know because if you if if, if 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 the guy writes a great drupal website he stands it up no capture no security 
what do you think is going to happen to it? Somebody's going to hack it, and all your data is going to be going off into the data uh, wonderland. You know, yeah. so, you know, we need to understand that it's absolutely necessary for us to work together, as does the universe. You know, oh, yeah. you know, and, and I'll give you this is going to be really morbid, so please forgive me. Uh, I, I like morbid. It's all right. <laughs> if a person or an animal dies outside mm-hmm. and is not attended to in a reasonable amount of time. A person, the flies come, which put the maggots, which helps de- decompose the person, mm-hmm. right? A bird, a buzzard, or something like that, the thing dies. It's gonna, so it's kind of like you see this perfect dance in the universe, right? So it's perfect, yeah. right? So although, you know, it's terrible that someone's died outside and that these things have come and feasted on its body, the nutrients it puts in the earth helps everything else grow. It helps everything else move to its next purpose. Yeah. So when we think in IT specifically, we really need to think about why is it that the universe gives us such a perfect example of diversity and the harmony of diversity that we see the need to separate ourselves you know, in the IT world, in the com- commercial marketing place, everywhere that you can get to, why do we need to segregate ourselves? Because that's not how the universe and the planet operates. It's only how humans operate oh, yeah. and the question is why. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree. And I think, uh, I mean, like we as humans have to really, at least from what I've seen, communicating is a big part of that. Just like, you know, talking it out. Um, we had a recent thing come up where uh, a couple groups merged with ours and a gentleman was given a presentation about how he deploys Drupal websites. Mm-hmm. And he was using uh, GitLab CI to do it, but in like a really novel way. Like he just was pretty much using the buttons that uh, the CI thing provides you. And uh, what he was doing like blew everyone's mind <laughs> because nobody had done that before. And uh, I was talking to him and he was like, well, no, like it's the whole thing is like very simple. Like anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. It's like, well, anybody can do it now that we've seen how you do it. <laughs> right. We're going to steal that. But not just anybody could do it because nobody was doing it. Like, uh, and just being able to share those little things that, uh, like you may not think are a big deal. Like, oh, I just made the stupid GitLab thing that like helps all of my developers out just doing this one simple thing. Nobody will find that interesting. Everybody's probably already doing it. It's like, oh no, like share that. Like <laughs> we didn't know that. Uh, yep. I can think of like 30 new ways to do that now that uh, never would have thought of if if I hadn't just been exposed to, uh, to what this other group was doing. Um, what do you think about, so I know, I feel like one sort of obstacle towards uh, people embracing diversity is sort of that internal bias that everybody has just sort of like, and, you know, I think we all have them. I've definitely had them where uh, I work with somebody and I think, oh, that person like thinks exactly like me. I want to work with them more. Like, is there, a? I think just recognizing it is one like trick to get over that and understanding that, hey, me as a human, like, likes other I have a uh, proclivity towards things that are very similar to me and that may not actually be in my best interest as a human in fact it's not in my best interest as human because it's not exposing me to other things like what are your thoughts on like how do we how do we boot those internal biases out and how do we make them more of an, an everyday thing instead of having to I think that's sort of a, a frustration I have with myself is always uh 
I see somebody that I, that looks like me that has had a similar career path than me. And I think, oh yeah, they're exactly like me. We should team up and do something. Whereas I should probably be doing the opposite because. Uh, so, you know, back in the day, there was this term called the old boys network. Mm-hmm. And literally it meant that only a certain class, class of people were together. And so that excluded women, mm-hmm. excluded ethnic, ethnic groups. It excluded people from different income levels. You know, um, you know, if you look at the history of America, you know, and you know, I'm a huge uh, American history buff. You know, so if you look at, you know, how we segregated ourselves just among race, so white people penalized poor white people for being poor. <laughs> That's yeah. insane to me. You know, or there was were you a blue blood or not? You know, so all of these things that we do to separate and dissect we have to understand why we're doing them right what does it get us that way so like okay and if we, we could do money for example so let's just say i'm a billionaire why would i hang out with a welfare mom you know because she's going to be constantly asking me for money you know i'm hearing all these sad stories you know i'm just going to really be depressed so no i'm not going i'm gonna hang out with my other billionaire friends and we're going to jet set across the country and or the world and we're going to create these new innovative things you know we're, we're, we're together because we think of it. and when yeah. i was getting my doctorate degree I, and this was a word i had never heard before homosocial reproduction and when you tear the word apart homo same reproduction mm-hmm. social I prefer to be with people like me, simply what it means. I prefer to be with people who are like me. That's one of those things that's really challenging to me because I think the point that you made earlier, how do you grow? So you are a Ubuntu Linux guy or you are a scientific American, whatever kind of mm-hmm. Linux you are, you know, you're a Linux guy. And you only want to hang out with people who write the kind of Linux code you write. You right. only want to hang out because you all have a common language. You all have common ideas about this. You know how to fix problems really quickly. You can identify when something is wrong in the code immediately. Right. So when the red hat guy shows up, who's got a whole different kind of Linux, and he's coming to your conversation, well, you know, that's not how red hat works. So we do this and we move it to this. And you're sitting back, part of you is saying, wow pretty terrible that's how what you have to do but in reality <laughs> that red hat guy is bringing something to the table that you didn't have yeah. now you you're an expert at whatever your uh, linux you're expert at but if you don't have that red hat you know whatever linux um, apple users you know if, if you don't have all of those people in the room yeah you're going to get your best results yeah. and so i think the way you you do this and, and i'll use you and i as an example Mm-hmm. So if you remember when we first met, we met in, I think, 2010 or 2011 mm-hmm. at our at our employer, right? You probably didn't even think anything about me. You know, we, you pleasant. Yep. Nice to meet you. Hello. And, you know, we would go on about our business. Sure. No, 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 yep. You know, and so over time, you and I have become close. We've spent time together. We've talked about things. We, we share ideas. Mm-hmm. And it takes that, you know, first we have to meet. Yeah. And we make our judgments about the person, whatever they may be, you know, like, you know, I could assume he's probably racist. He doesn't like black people. You could make your judges. She's probably a loud, angry black woman. We can make all those judgments <laughs> inside ourselves, you know, because that's what we, we, we believe, right? Those yeah. implicit and explicit biases, right? That we keep seated in ourselves like, oh, I'm not going to trust him. I'm not going to let him know that I don't understand what he's talking about, or I'm not going to let her know 
that uh, I don't particularly like black women. You know, we're gonna we're gonna closet in our feelings, and then right. we're gonna operate on a premise that you and I can now go into the workplace and work together, right. which is so flawed that it's, it's absurd. If you know, and I think this is one of the things organizations should do. Organizations should make employees get to know each other on a very very personal level. Like you don't have to know you know where the person lives, what kind of car they drive, how much money makes, but like. Mm-hmm. What makes that person tick? So you spend, you know, maybe 30 minutes with that person for lunch a couple times a month. And you have these conversations. You will find the walls come falling down. They shatter, you know, because now you're getting to know somebody differently. You're getting to see someone from a different light. You're getting to see, hey, they're not really that bad or they're not the thing I presuppose they are. And so if organizations can really think through this, especially if they want to be productive and, and have great outcomes, they need to embed these things in their organization. So I'm going to hire such and such. And I, I don't know if this is true in your organization, but like, let's just say y'all going to hire a new, um, let's pick on program. You're going to hire a, new, yep. hire a new web programmer or a designer or something, right? How often is the Linux people and the security people invited to that interview? Are you only bringing in the people that the person reports to, other web people, you know, uh, or designers, whatever, programmers? Are you only bringing those people to the interview? And so yeah. then they wake up in the morning and they say, we're going to make you an offer. The person starts. And one of the people he has to work with is Drew Stennett. And he knows absolutely nothing about you. And it's easy to see you're a pretty affable guy. You know, you're nice and friendly, but really he doesn't know anything about yeah. you, but he yeah. needs your help. Mm-hmm. How does he feel comfortable asking you, Drew, I have been assigned this task right here and I need help because yeah. we're always afraid of being judged, right? So oh, yeah. I ask you a really dumb question. Like, um, does Linux run on a, a, a IBM computer or a PC or does it run on servers? You know, a really dumb question. You know, you know, yeah. something like that. You're going to make some judgment about me. Why did they hire her? <laughs> what, what, she shouldn't even know where this thing works. Why, why, why did they hire her? So in, in essence, making those relationships early on helps mm-hmm. the organization so much more. So that's how, in my mind, how you break those walls down. You, you, even though if, if, if they didn't bring you to the interview or they didn't include you in the discussion, they should almost immediately after that person starts bringing, you, bringing that person around to all the people in the organization, letting that person get to know them, right? So, oh, yeah. hey, let's go have a coffee uh, you know, on our next break or maybe we can have lunch or let's go have a drink after work or whatever your, 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 um, your, your um, choice is. But, but you know, there's that. And I think that it's very important that people not make that initial judgment until you have it, right? So there's this thing in in America, you're innocent until proven guilty. We all know that's not true. It's the other way around. You're guilty until proven innocent. But I think that that in reality, what we need to do with with these relationships is assume the best first, assume Mm -hmm. great, as opposed to jumping to these stereotypes that we know is true. Yeah, yeah, I I 100% agree. I think uh, over the one of the things that I really learned over where we're in the last day of 2020 right now, by the way, hooray. (laughs) But uh, now that everybody has pretty much everybody is working from home, I think it's worked out really well, but I think the thing that we do miss are those personal interactions. Cause now like with uh, the way we communicate now is like, I need something. I'm going to talk to this person. We're going to talk about exactly what I need. And then we're going to stop. There's no more, oh, you're going to get coffee. Let me walk with you while you get coffee and let's talk about this and, you know, what you do last night, blah, 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 blah. It's all very, like, focused on uh, business talk. And another thing, I think it's pretty specific to technology is that most people in technology are very 
introverted and sort of keep to themselves. And I think that's what uh, it probably lends well to working at home, but it lends, it does not lend itself to reaching out. So for those of us, I wouldn't consider myself like an extrovert, but I also like talking to people. And I think just making a point to sort of, you know, oh, we have this new hire here. Uh, they may not know that like, it's totally cool to ask me something. So let me put myself out there and be like, oh, hey, I saw, you know, you posted in Teams about something or another. Do you ever have any questions? Let me know. Like, it's no big deal. <laughs> like, we're, we're here to help everybody. And just sort of, you know, if you're not a 100% introvert, take some time and sort of think about how there are a lot of 100% introverts in technology, if not like 200% introverts. Like, people are so introverted in technology, nobody wants to talk. And uh, also keeping in mind, like, when you say like, oh, if you ask me, oh, does Red Hat run on IBM? You know, in my head, I could think like, well, duh, of course, Red Hat runs on IBM or Red Hat doesn't <laughs> run on IBM. Right. But like, that's my job to know that. That's not your job to know that. And you not knowing that makes like zero difference in the world. Like, I would like to like help you understand that or, you know, not understand it if you don't need it. But you have, you know, just because you don't know things that, are essential in my job doesn't mean that you don't know the things that are essential in your job. And even if we're on the same team, like we may have incredibly different skill sets and that is not a slight on like either side, you know, and there are soft and hard skills, like being able to talk to people and being able to do this, uh, to think up this podcast, like you did, that's a huge skill that uh, very few people have. <laughs> Because I'm academically brilliant, gifted, and smart, and all that stuff, and then everybody starts chuckling because none of that's true. I'm pretty smart, but that's about it. But let me let me just give you a, 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 a and you can take all that out. <laughs> but, but, well, you're you're the doctor in this conversation. I'm the dude with the theater majors. So. <laughs> I don't think that matters. Let me let me just tell you uh, something about about um, being a minority. So, um, and this is something I learned from the law students. I had already knew, knew it inherently to myself, but I didn't really know it fully this way. So I've got accepted to this prestigious university. It's ranked in, in high, you know, and I'm there. And I'm black and I'm in that place. Mm -hmm. There is a subset of the students at that place is wondering how I got there. Like, you know, you know, did you, you know, they just let you in because they had a quota to fill or they just let you in because, you know, you were, um, you know, female, whatever it is. And this is true for majority of the ethnicities, except for Caucasian. It's oh, yeah. just, just completely true. So the, the question that I ask and I say, well, you know, they hired me to do X and I'm not exactly sure what all I'm supposed to do, but let me see if I can can raise this. And so what happens in a lot of people's mind, I can tell you mine as well. You know, so if I ask this question, can Linux run on an IBM server or whatever, can, can that be the operation, operating system? What are you going to think about me? So now you're going to make some judgments about me because I don't know the answer to that question. There's this old saying that whatever question you ask, you should already know the answer to it, right? So as a black or a brown person, if there is really a place where you are struggling or you don't know the answer, you can never let that be seen. You can't let people know that you don't know because you will be judged and assessed by that. So uh, I let me, I want to read something to you. And I know we don't have much time. I'm going to read. Yeah. You, can, you can edit out this all you want to, but, um, um, but you know, I just want to read this to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. This is from 
a current student who went to a predominantly white institution and came back as a faculty and she is black. Mm -hmm. She writes, I am an alum and current faculty member. Coming back to my alma mater as a black student and faculty member is a lonely, lonely experience. While I was a student, I had my fellow students tell me why my to tell me to my face that I did not belong at this university. They had already decided that the only reason I was there was because I was black. It didn't matter that I'd earned my way into this university the same way they did. It didn't matter that I had put forth much effort, had a merit-based scholarship, and that I was recognized in my in my my GPA as one of the highest in my state. It didn't matter that I had chosen to attend this university over another. It only mattered that I was black. And I'm not going to read any more of that, but 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 you get yeah. you should get a sense for her, her her experience, right? So she went to this predominantly white place. She was a, a merit scholar, not a needs-based scholar. You know, so she had all these things going for her, and she yeah. was only seen as black. And even there's as she goes on, she's she even talks about how the leadership in the university you know, treats her, you know, coming back as a faculty sort of like a, a you know, like, the, you know, just, you know, hanging on and, you know, you can go at any minute. Yeah. So, so in reality, a lot of what we have to do, you know, and, and why I love the universe is such a perfect example because, you know, the universe doesn't spend a lot of time discussing, you know, lion prides and, you know, um, cats and dung beagles and all that stuff. <laughs> it lets it takes, it lets these things take their natural course yeah, yeah. just take their natural course we as human beings who are going to be replaced in probably the next 50 or so years with robots need to figure this thing out because then the robots are going to be making judgments about us well you know <laughs> that person doesn't have a good driving record let's just get rid of him we will never oh, yeah. get a car you know or this person has you know criminal activity you know they will never be an asset to the community so let's put them over here you know yeah. so technology really needs humanity and yes. the the premise of the universe as its guiding line, you know, guiding light. Uni universe is and and technology is supposed to be translucent. You should you should be you should, you should have nothing to hide. You know, you know, if you write a, an application tracking system, it should be as transparent as, as water. It yeah. should be clear. But if you're writing these things where there are these little ambiguous things that's hidden in it that does this, you know, sort of like uh, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but you know the person in the office white house says he wants to give everybody forty five thousand dollars and the people on the other side say well we're going to stick in all these little pieces to oh, go yeah. along with that you know <laughs> okay that's not how it should be it yeah. should be transparent yeah. you know and and we get there only by supporting and enhancing and advocating for each other and that we realize that we are better as a whole than we are as a one Yes. And I'll give you my favorite Spock line, you mm -hmm. know, when he dies in Spock to, in uh, the hunt for, uh, what's his name? I can't think of it. It's a shame. For, you know, this is terrible. One of those Star Trek three yeah. or and, and two. <laughs> he goes into the nuclear chamber and he resets the Enterprise so that they can get out of harm's way. Yeah. And so he's dying because he's got all this radiation. In him. And so Kirk comes running, Captain Kirk comes running to the, the chamber after he didn't see him. And and Spock says the needs of the 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 needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. Now that's yeah. not unique to Spock and, and Star Trek, but but that's been said, yeah. and that is absolutely correct. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. And yeah. if there's only one Drew Stennett, if there's only one, and everybody in America is a Drew Stennett, 
what will happen to us. Uh, it would, yeah. I would, I would hate it. It'd be too, too much. <laughs> no, 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 no. But what I'm saying is, is like, when you, when you take time to go read or you take time to go watch a movie, you take a break from yourself, right? You, yeah. you walk away from yourself. You go somewhere and you do something else. And the very fact that you've done that says to you that I don't want to be with me every minute of every day. It doesn't yeah. mean I don't love myself. It doesn't mean I, I don't value myself. But, you know, there are times I need to break away from the, the contextual part of Rochelle and go, you know, let my mind wander off somewhere. Watch a movie oh, yeah. that's actually mind-numbing. You know, and so that's why we don't need a hundred Drew, a million Drew Stennis. We need all the Drew Stennis we can get, but we need the Drew Stennis to have the ability and compassion to work with others. And yeah. so if everybody was a Drew Stennis, we would never have the need to work for everybody. And every mistake that a Drew Stennis would make, every great thing a Drew Stennis, that's all we would get is just yeah. the Drew Stennis results. And that's yeah. why it's so important to see the universe as a perfect example of diversity and why that diversity matters so much in yeah. IT why it matters so much in technology and whether you're doing uh, healthcare technology, whether you're doing, uh, you know, biometric, whatever it is that you're doing, it needs diversity. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And the only thing I would tack on there is like, in addition to being good for the many, it's also, I mean, I think it, you can also have a selfish reason and it makes you like a better, more well-rounded, uh, more well, well-rounded person which is good for the universe and also like good for you. Like you get a little bonus out of there. You get some, you get some extra exposure. You learn something new. You, you know, you can take that new thing you learned and do something else. Awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. A absolutely. I just think that if we really applied the principles of our universe to ourselves and to our lives, to our work, to our friends, to our everything, we would have an amazing life. Yes. You know, we have an amazing life. We work, the world would be perfect. But if we continue to just grow redwoods and all we want is redwoods, after a while, that's going to get pretty challenging. Yes, know. absolutely. Well, I think that's a perfect spot to end on, Rochelle. Excellent. <laughs> so uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back for another episode next week. Thank you for listening to Eminent Teachnology. If you like the show, please review, subscribe, and recommend us to your friends and family. We'd love to hear feedback from you as well. You can email us at eminentteachnology at gmail.com. See y'all soon.